Welcome to this workshop. Hi, my name is Aileen C, a compulsive overeater, and your moderator for this session. Please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the Serenity Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will now read our anonymity statement and the sixth tradition. Anonymity statement. To those of you who might have been here representing the print or television media, please help us preserve the cherished tradition of anonymity by refraining from taking pictures in this or any other meeting room. We ask that in your reporting on OA that you use only first names or pseudonyms indicated as such of OA members and that you obscure the faces of those who identify themselves as OA members. Sixth tradition. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. The format for this session is to have three speakers share for 20 minutes their experience, strength, and hope on the topic followed by on topic followed by open pitches. This is a one and one quarter hour meeting. Our topic is the promises. I will now read from the selected reading. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we are, will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Taken from Alcoholics Anonymous, 4th edition, page, 4th edition, no, Fourth edition, page 83 and 84. Our first speaker will be Brenda from San Bruno. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Nice to see you all here. Um, it's great to be together at this convention today. Everybody hear me okay? Uh, well, can't hear me in the back? I'm kind of tall, so how's that? If I move over this way, is that better? Okay, uh, my name is Brenda. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, and I've been in OA for about three years now. I just passed my two-year abstinence mark in June, and right now I have a weight release of 105 pounds. Thank you. I'm very grateful for it. You know, it, it took a long time for me to get up the nerve to walk into an OA meeting 
And uh, once I did walk into a meeting, there were two things that kept me coming back. One, the people and the program. And two, the promises. I want to read a little poem from you from page 106 before today. It's by Emily Dickinson. And it states that hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And that was what the promises were for me. They were hope. I, I think the promises connected with the higher power in me who was saying, come on, Brenda, this is the path. There's hope for you. You can get your way out of this isolation and fear and pain and this self-imposing cage that you put around yourself. And, I, and I'm here to help with this program. Uh, so the promises gave me hope. And it, it's a funny thing. And when I hear the promises read today at meetings, I still feel that special little tingle of joy inside, and I still feel that hope uh, in the message of the promises. And I have to say before I continue, as you know, I heard somebody say at a meeting recently that you have to, you're a baby for the first five years of the program. And um, so I've been an abstinent for two years. Let me tell you, when I started trying to come out with what I wanted to say on the promises, I really felt like a baby. And so today, I'm just uh, sharing where I am in my own experience, strength, and hope, and I hope some of it is beneficial for you. It's like when I first came in the program, somehow I got the picture that, you know, it says we're going to have a new freedom and a new happiness. It's like, wow, that sounds great. That's what I want. So I thought if I come in and I lose the weight, I'm going to have no problems and I'm going to live happily ever after, you know. Well, that was my plan, but it wasn't quite the way Hard Power had it planned for me. Uh, I first came in, I was, uh, it took me uh, uh, four to five months to get abstinent. I got a sponsor. I lost 70 pounds. I followed the house food plan. I lost 70 pounds. You know, at that time, I really couldn't be bothered with any of the literature, and I couldn't really be bothered with any of the questions. My sponsor was very kind and patient. She said, do you think I had time to do a question today? Oh, well, maybe, you know. So I do about one question a week. And, of course, uh, that weight loss didn't last so long. I, I, I promptly lost my abstinence and gained it all back because I was not working on the real issues inside that were contributing to my overeating. Uh, and it took me a while to get abstinent again. I, I really struggled. I thought, oh, my God, you know, I can't do this this program. I'm, I'm, I'm not capable. But I did eventually get another sponsor. And actually, to be honest with you, I had some health issues that scared me to death that really got me over the bridge to get abstinent again. So it's like higher power works in our lives in all kinds of ways, you know. Um, so uh, I got a new sponsor. I began to really struggle with my the things I needed to work on. I had a big problem with honesty. For a long time, I couldn't be honest with my sponsor. I was afraid I'd get kicked out of the program if I was honest about my food. I would start off the day great calling my food, and then by the evening I'd blow it, but I'd kind of forget to tell her the next morning. And uh, But once I got up the nerve to tell her, she was just letting she didn't, she said, thank you for telling me. She didn't kick me out or yell and scream at me or any of the things that I thought was going to happen. And that person showed a lot of patience and love for me, and I'm very grateful to that person. I still work with her today. 
So the first two years of me being in the program were about, um, it was one year non-abstinent, one year abstinent kind of, um, were about learning to, to deal with my food, learning to work the program, going to meetings, do the tools, I did a big book study, I did my steps. All those things were like steps I needed to take, action I needed to take to kind of uh, be there, listen to people, uh, pay attention to higher power, do my writing, you know, learn how to really discipline myself in the skills of the program and the tools of the program, and therefore it began to work inside me, I think. And, and um, so the first two years were about getting that down, and now my second year of abstinence has been more about dealing with the real issues inside me. So that's been um, very exciting and uh, challenging at times, but uh, there's always a great blessing from paying attention and dealing with what's really going on inside. It says, because um, I think as we do that, it, it's all about spiritual maturity and, and growing in the way that higher power wants us to grow. It says at the beginning of the promises, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. And that comes at the end of step nine in um, the big book. And I think that it means that we have to do our work. It's not about coming in and losing weight and looking beautiful. That's part of it, you know. But uh, the, the main part is that we get a chance to grow up and figure out what's really going on inside and mature spiritually and learn to live as more happy, healthy human beings in the world and learn, begin to learn, let other people in for me because I'm a big isolator and learn to love others. I think that's higher power's plan for us. Um, so when I say we, we need to do the work, I mean we need to pay attention. And, and there's a line here that says we will not regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. You know, and I have a past like many of us. I have sexual, physical abuse, violence. Um, I had a, actually had a couple of near-death experiences as a child from a parent. So, you know, that stuff really uh, affected me in my life. It uh, caused me to kind of bury myself in the ground and, and uh, use food for everything and, and not let anybody ever come near my spirit again. Uh, but in the program, um, and I, I have to say that I had to do my work. You know, I had lots of therapy. I had lots of post-traumatic stress work, all that stuff. But uh, And at times I was able to manage my food in my life, but um, in the last five years or so I got way out of hand and I, I, I was lost. I was floating on my own orbit around the world, you know, with food, works, sleep, doing everything in excess. And uh, the program kind of helped me come back to myself and begin to work on things again. And... Really, and as I put down the food, I began to uh, have more feelings from the past, more stuff come up, you know, more healing as I uh, have lost m more weight. And I'm really working with my body now, exercising a lot, building my muscles up, you know, doing all the, these great things that I really love. Uh, my body continues to talk to me, continues to tell me about things that aren't right or things I need to work through. Just recently, I did a month of anger work. I mean, a, a, there was a month when I was, like, rageful and, and feeling angry. It, it started with uh, someone in my life I had a big hurt. And it actually, it all started with my back going out, you know, bad back pain, pain here, pain in my neck, pain down my hips. I'm, I'm in the healthcare profession, and I really thought I was going to have to have back surgery because I'd never had the kind of pain I was having before. But finally, I identified it with rage. And uh, as I did my rage work and got to the feelings underneath 
uh, the rage, I, my back pain went away. And uh, the way I just mentioned the way I do rage work, I go around, I shut all the windows and doors in my house, I turn the stereo on really loud with something that's you know, really loud and drums and singing and stuff. I go in my bedroom, I shut the door, I have this red plastic batch, and I have my pillows, I put a pillow over my face, a pillow on the bed, and I beat the hell out of that pillow, and I put whoever's face there I need to, and I scream, and a lot of my rages in the past, it was just screams, screams, like these, you know, animal screams, and, um, and then, it, and then you know, eventually it would come around to the person that I'm dealing with. Then my, you know, from the past, and then it would come to my the people in my current life, and then it would come to my part of it. You know, what I was not doing to take care of myself in my life. A lot of it was resentment for saying yes when I say no, and people pleasing, which is uh, something that I do. I work on not doing, but I that was my um, mode of operation. So it's kind of like working a four-step, you know, it, it kind of came around and I really understood where the rage was coming from. I expressed the, the rage and understood where the rage was coming from. And I feel much better. Um, we will comprehend the word serenity and we, and we will know peace. You know, being abstinent is a wonderful gift, isn't it? I mean, uh, when I first uh, got abstinent, especially... And, and, and now uh, I also have these periods when I'm um, maybe not doing work. But, uh, you know, this is like this wonderful, peaceful feeling that comes over me. And, you know, that's, I have to keep doing my tools, going to meetings, being in our community, praying to higher power, writing. I have to keep working my tools or I get off on my own. But there's this great serenity and peace, and there's this wonderful flowing in the world, you know, where every day is, there's, there's fun little miracles, and you're aware of those miracles, and go out into the world and um, meet the most interesting people and have the most interesting conversations just in your everyday life. You know, it's, it's a special kind of grace that's given to us by higher power. And the good thing about being absent is I've learned now, I've had enough practice with that experience that I certainly recognize when I've taken my own self-will has taken over and I'm being crazy, you know, which uh, I can flip into craziness pretty easily. But I know now the program has given me tools to come back from that uh, program, writing, talking to someone. Just this morning I was, I was having anxiety about doing this talk because I've been doing some grief work and so I've had a lot of feelings from that. It's like, I'm just going to be happy, joyous, and free, you know, and I'm, I'm not feeling that way at all. And, and I was keeping that all inside, but I, I'm rooming with a friend, and um, I decided, you know, I, I talked to her, I said, can I just talk to you and tell you how I'm feeling so I'm not feeling so alone with this pain, you know. And, 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 and that was a sample of the program, you know, connecting with her, sharing my feelings, talking things over with her, and you feel a lot better. It made me feel so alone, and it, and it helped me relax and just be who I am up here. So I've, I'm grateful for that friend, and I'm also grateful for uh, learning to work this program in a way to help me connect with people, because uh, you know, I'm a big fear-based person. <clears throat> I haven't seen any signs yet. Or, am I okay on time? Yeah. Um, okay. So, for me, the real issue now, I think, if I were to summarize what's happening in my life, is to, this higher power is teaching me to, 
to love myself. And loving myself just doesn't mean, ooh, Brenda, you're so special, you're so wonderful. That's part of it for sure. But it's paying attention, paying attention to myself, uh, paying attention to where I need to grow. Thank you. I need to grow and where I um, need to do work, where I need to change how I'm reacting in the world, um, learning that I can't change others, you know. I, I tend to think that if something isn't working out with somebody, that it's because of me or it's my fault. And I'm learning that it's not my fault. I'm perfectly okay the way I am. It's just that that's not working. So I need to go over here and find another place where it works, you know. And, and uh, that's, that's all it means. And um, so I'm really aware of that these days. I'm really paying attention to that. And I'm really taking a lot more risk and doing things that are feeding my spirit versus following along with what everybody else wants because I'm too nervous to speak up for what I want. And, you know, when that happens, I think there's a special, that little spirit goes, woo, she's paying attention to me now, you know, and it feels really good. So then I, I feel safer in the world and I feel stronger and I, I feel more connected with myself. Therefore, I'm able to connect with people in a healthy way versus a codependent, caring for people way. And that's really, uh, for me, that's, what I think is spiritual maturity. There's been a lot of gifts in this program. I'm just going to talk, give you a few things that I received in my short time of abstinence, and I look forward to more abstinence and more gifts, more clarity, more peeling back those uh, uh, scales from my eyes that Howard Power does gently. And I, I just want to share that one of the things I did <clears throat> When I was doing my early years of therapy, I had this picture. I did. A, I'm a visual person. I have to do a lot of visual work when I do my uh, work. And I had this picture of myself, you know, in a deep, dark hole in the earth, like I said before, burying myself. And now that picture has turned into, there's this hole in the earth. I have this little shovel. It's kind of, it's more my child and my adult, but I have this little shovel, and I'm digging out of that hole. And underneath me, there's higher power with his big, strong hands, and he's pushing me up out of the hole, and he's saying, come on, Brenda, I'm here, we're digging out of here, and it's going to be great. And once in a while, you know, I drop my shovel, you know, I falls over, and I stop digging, and that's when my own self-will takes over, and I try to run the world myself again. Howard Power gently puts that shovel back in my hand, and says, keep digging, girl, come on, we're getting out of here. So that's kind of how my visualization has changed as being in recovery, and, and that's very exciting, I think. Some of the, the gifts I've had in the program are, you know, I can go somewhere and feel love now. Uh, I was very, very isolated and alone. I had much more meaningful relationships. I had much more energy for life. Believe me, I was sleeping long hours, and, and uh, I was pretty miserable and not getting anything done in my life. I'm taking more risks. I'm going to singles activities now. Ooh, that's kind of scary. I'm kind of getting back out there again. I'm doing an exercise program where I go and work out with others and build my muscles up and stuff. And I'm having a connection with my spirit <clears throat> and true self that uh, helps me in higher power, that helps me find the next thing to do and the next thing to, to grow, way to grow in my life. Um, I had much less loneliness. I went through probably a year of loneliness and pain, just grieving and crying. Um, less fear, which is great. I, I still work on fear, but I have less fear. More productive. 
I'm wasting less energy in my life on things that don't matter. I'm learning to put my energy to things that really matter. And I have, I'm so grateful I have a clearer, more decisive mind, which is great. I'm, I'm reading more. You know, before I was always the food, the food, the food, the food, and now I'm able to settle down and, and do, and be more of an adult, which is great. <clears throat> so letting her power come into my life and the 12 steps in the OA community has, um, has gently taught me how to uh, connect with myself and be real in the world. And it's been a very special blessing that I'm grateful for. I'm just going to close now by reading something from for today. It's on page 357, December the 22nd. It says, Never be in a hurry. Do everything quietly and in a calm spirit. Do not lose your inward peace for anything whatsoever, even if your whole world seems upset. Commend all to God, and then lie still and be at rest in his bosom. That's by St. Francis de Sales. It says, Inward peace is not easily come by for a compulsive overeating, overeater. Stuffing down anxiety and fear with food gives an illusion of calm that food as an anesthetic has the shortest lifespan of all the addictive substances. How then do I maintain inward peace? The same way I remain abstinent. By giving everything to God, my fear, my worries, my life. I abandon all efforts to control, to force life to conform to my will, and I rest as peacefully as an infant in its mother's arms. For today, the 12-step program might well be called a set of instructions for finding and keeping inward peace. Thank you. Let's give Brenda a hand. Thank you very much. Our second speaker is Nancy G. from San Francisco. Thank you. I would not have said that five years ago. I said, no hugs. Anyway. Um, so I'm... Oh, can you hear me? So I'm... My name's Nancy, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. And I'm very grateful to be here. And um glad to have been asked, and I have to just, you know, put it out there that what I am going to talk about really has nothing to do with me in a lot of ways. It's really just about this program and what this program has given to me. And, um, you know, I also just have to say that I think this, this is my third convention, and it's the second time that I've spoken. And my very first convention in San Francisco, I remember just, um, you know, I was pretty new, and um, I just kind of was overwhelmed by the people, and I ran out. And um, <laughs> so I'm, um, you know, this is one of the promises that I'm, I'm actually able to commit to being at a convention and um, actually staying the entire time. You know, not good, staying the entire time. Well, I'm not driving home, so I think I'm staying the entire time. So uh, let's see. I have been in program four years and ten months, and um, 
Yes, because of this program, um, have been abstinent that whole time, and came to these rooms. Um, my top weight was 230 pounds, and I'm, I'm only 5'4". Well, I'm almost 5'4". Um, my top weight was 230. I, I was I was in the two X's, but I was uh, starting to look at some three X's, and uh, my. Um, when I came into the room, so I was 215, and now I'm at 145, and so that's 85 pounds altogether, and um, last year I was at 135, so um, this past year I've been a little bit, uh, my, my portion, I haven't been weighing and measuring, so my portions were a little, a little bit loose, um, just want to be honest about that. So, um, the promises, let's see. Um, you know, when Michelle first asked me to speak, I was like, oh, the promises. I'm familiar with the promises. Sure, I'll talk about the promises. And um, last night, I'm like, the promises, the promises, where the hell are the promises? Like, I'm looking through the book, and I couldn't remember where the promises were. I'm like, oh, I'm, I need to be a little bit more familiar with the literature. So um, I did find it, and I thought, I thought just the placement of the promises in the big book was interesting to me. Because, um, you know, the first three steps are a lot about acceptance and, um, you know, turning things over and a higher power. But really steps four through 12 are really the action steps. And the promises are located in the big book in the, in the chapter called Into Action. And that, you know, I find that to be really important because it is, this is all about action, this program. And, you know, I um I had one of those really terrible childhoods, and it's taken a lot of work to um, get me to where I could actually come into these rooms and hear the message. And so um, there's, I feel like there's been work all along, and just my survival, is, I feel, is pretty miraculous. But, you know, the survival that I was in before this program included, you know, pints of, um, pints of sugary stuff. And... Um, really big portions of, you know, relatively healthy food, but, um, except for, of course, all the sugar that I was eating. So, so let's see. I, um, so what I have found this program to do is the promises, which are above and beyond survival. And, um, let's see if I have anything in here. um, Yeah, just when I was reading this chapter into action, some things that jumped out of me, you know, were the, the going to any lengths and, you know, going to any lengths to get up here. My uh, my boyfriend's car overheated and was having all these problems on Friday, yesterday, the day we were to drive up here. And we could have, you know, taken a chance and, and driven up anyway, but knowing the heat up here, um, we decided to rent a car. And, like, our financial situation is not one where deciding to rent a car is a simple decision. So um, I felt that that was, you know, I mean, it was like one terrible thing after another. But in the end, it really was, you know, going to any length. And, and that was a lot of action to just, you know, get up here and make sure we were here. And, you know, also when I first came into program, and sometimes even today, um, there's still myths in my own head about this program and the promises and all of that. I mean, part of the myths that I had, you know, here a lot in these rooms, 
oh, I'll just lose the weight and then everything will be great. Or, oh, I'll get a boyfriend and then everything will be great. Or, oh, you know, I'll get the, like, the promises will come true and then they'll just be there forever. <laughs> and, um, you know, there is a lot of truth to the fact that um, my life is absolutely a million times better today than it was five years ago. But it does involve a lot of work. And um, the, the hardest thing I'm finding is just accepting the fact that I'm human and that I can't be perfect. And growing up, it was all about, you know, being perfect and, you know, tempting and controlling all the insanity around me and getting into huge fights and never... Uh, my mother is paranoid schizophrenic, and I grew up just with her. And, um, well, my sister was pretty much out of the picture, and my father was dead. And so, um, you know, it was it was all about... We could never discuss anything because she thought everyone was trying to kill her. She thought I was trying to harass her. She thought everyone was also trying to kill me, and I was too stupid to see that. And I was 11 years old. So when your your mother, who was everything to you, and my mother, who was everything to me, is like that insane, it's not like we could just sit down and say, well, you know, let's talk about this murder thing, you know? <laughs> so um, I never learned. I never learned how to communicate. I never learned how to um, grow up. You know, I'm 41, and um, there was a lot I didn't learn. And I know I'm not alone, and that's one reason that these rooms are such a comfort to me, because um, there's a lot of people who didn't get to learn for one reason or another, and this program is all about what I what I feel is that this program is all about learning what's inside of here and accepting what's inside of here and getting some peace around it. And then as I work on the insides, the outsides kind of take care of themselves. So that's, at least that's kind of, that's been my um, experience. So again, as I was reading the promises. Um, some of the words really jumped out at me, like um, if we're painstaking in our, um, I forget the rest of the words, but the words. Thank you. This phase for our development um, will be made before we are halfway through. So when I first came in the program, I was really, really painstaking. I was, um, I was lucky enough to find my sponsor my first day. I um, asked everyone what their food plan was when they first started. And um, got all kinds of, you know, one of the beautiful things about this program, too, is that everyone has a different food plan. Everyone's on a different path. Everyone is, um, you know, work, is on their own timeline. I'm on my own timeline. And, you know, my head loves to go to black and white. Like, I need to be perfect. If I were, if I were 135 and standing in front of you now, I'm sure my share would be better. You know, I mean... You know, if I were if I were 130, maybe my boyfriend would love me more. You know, I say that to him, and he's like, "You are insane. Go to a meeting." So, um, so, um, you know, I do have also. Oh, so in the beginning, you know, uh, before I was with him, I, basically I would write down my food every night before the next day. I would um, read a whole bunch of stuff in the morning. I wrote a 10 step every night. I went to at least three meetings a week. I talked to my sponsor every single night and, um, you know, was really doing a lot for my program. And it, and it was reflected on, you know, the growing up on the insides and the changes on the outsides. And then, um, you know, uh, the, when I got into this 
um, relationship, he's also in program. Um, you know, I did it by actually telling him that I had a crush on him. And, I mean, that was new to me. I mean, I've had plenty of, you know, plenty of crushes and never did anything. Or if I did anything, I would just, like, act silly around the guy and then, you know, uh, it wasn't cool. So I actually was, you know, because of this program, I'm like, I'm just going to say it. And I told him. And, like, he, he um, wasn't aware, which was news to me. And, uh, you know, we got together. And we've been together ever since. It's a, um, about a year and a half now. It's the longest relationship I've ever been in and pretty much the only adult relationship I've ever been in. And talk about, you know, um, being able to do things, being able to handle situations that we never knew how to before, paraphrasing. Um, you know, I, as I said before, I did not know how to communicate. If I had any kind of angry feelings, you know, with my mother when we fought, I would run into my room, she would chase me, I would slam the door and hold the door shut so she couldn't come in. She, she, she didn't really physically abuse me, but there was always that threat of violence. Um, and, you know, that's not really conducive to sitting down and talking. So, um, you know, I can't go to the food anymore to, like, you know, eat over the feelings or just numb myself out, basically, which is what I always did. I would, I would eat until I was numb, and then I would take a really hot shower or a hot bath and go to bed. Like, any, any feelings that were overwhelming. I still sometimes sleep when I'm feeling overwhelmed with feelings, um, but that's okay. It's not to the degree it used to be. So, um, so also with this new freedom and the new happiness, it's like when I walk into a store, and even for the most part I can say when I'm in the world, my head is not, what can I buy, what can I buy, what can I eat, how much can I get without people thinking I'm a pig, you know, without the cashier thinking I'm a pig, you know, and when I used to go to the grocery store, the second I walked, or even before I would get there, my head would be like, and like, it was so busy in there, it was so busy, and, um, you know, needless to say, it was not busy with useful, helpful, spiritual, what can I do for the other person thoughts. Um, you know, and now, uh, you know, I haven't had sugar in four years and ten months in the first four ingredients. And when I, thank you, when I walk into a store, when I see sugar, it to me, it just looks like poison. And for the past year, when I've been having some difficulty with the food, um, there, was an, there was a whole other um, group of foods that I was having trouble with, whereas I, um, you know, when I first came in, my abstinence was, um, on my food plan, was um, three meals, two snacks, no sugar in the first four ingredients, and no alcohol. And over time, as I got cleaner and cleaner, my food, I started ha- realizing that more and more things were making me crazy. Um, now it turns out I'm allergic to dairy. Like, I'm, it's not just the last, like, even if I eat eggs cooked in butter, like, I just cough all day. And, uh, but I have, well, never mind. Um, so anything related to cows, uh, except for, never mind. I, I can still eat meat, but um, not a vegetarian. So that was one thing that came up. And then, um, you know, the past year, I was having a lot of trouble with starches. And I already wasn't eating, like, half the starches in the world or 75% of the starches in the world, but... The ones that I was eating, uh, I would get in pain around, and I would just want more. Thank you. And um, 
so for a year I was battling with that. And then all of a sudden I just had one of those, you know, kind of OA epiphanies of realizing that it really wasn't the starch that I wanted. It was really all about wanting to be, you know, nurtured as a baby, and I never was nurtured as a baby. And as soon as somehow that just clicked, and it's been, I'm not quite sure, a month or two, uh, it seems like longer, but I think it's been like a month and a half maybe that I haven't had any starches, and I do not miss it. And now when I see it, it does not look attractive to me. It looks like poison. And, you know, um, I, when I came into these rooms, I was like, no way am I ever going to let go of a food group. Like, I thought it was really unhealthy to let go of a food group for me, that it could work for other people. And I'm not saying that anyone else in this room should be doing it. I'm just saying for me, that stuff in my head was outweighing um, anything with the pleasure of, the, of, the, of, that, of that substance. So, you know, talk about a new freedom. I mean, I'm, I eat three meals a day. And um, my head is not insane for the most part. I'm still finding things that do make me insane um, with the food. But, you know, it's really about action. And it's really about, you know, I had a lot of different, I had one sponsor for my first three and a half years, and then she um, went on to her residency and wasn't available. And the past year I've had maybe seven or eight sponsors um, because for various reasons, either um, they didn't really have, the, they weren't able to have the time, or or I was eating something that they didn't need, and it didn't work for them to hear that I was able to eat it. So now I, I've, but I just kept asking. I just, you know, I feel good that I just kept coming to meetings, and I just kept talking about it. And I recently did ask someone who, I, I, you know, I do believe it is working out, and that it's meant to be, and. Um, this person has a very similar background to my own. Oh, and that's another thing, um, asking for help. You know, I always thought, oh, well, I grew up with this schizophrenic, paranoid schizophrenic mother. I know everything there is about mental illness. You know, I don't need to, I don't need to read anything about it. And, you know, so um, someone I know recommended this book to me about schizophrenia. And I just ordered it on Amazon. And it arrived on Friday. And, and I'm excited to take a look at it because... I do not know everything. I really know nothing, actually. Um, and I think that's another beautiful thing about this program is that I know nothing. I do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. I um, have a commitment for today to be absent and to be in these rooms. I have a backup plan that if I do get overwhelmed, I can go up to my room. Um, I have my boyfriend here with me. Uh, communication is a really difficult thing, but it's the only way to be a grown-up. And... Uh, for, for so long, like, I have not wanted to be a grown-up. And um, it's, there's a lot of growing pains for me right now with the whole communication thing. And I'm able to do it and able to learn new things only because of this program and because of being around you guys, you know, and, um, and, and, and doing some work. So, you know, for the most part, you know, but then things will come. And then things will go, you know, like the, the promises will come and then maybe I'll float for a little while and then realize I'm not doing enough action and then I have to do more action to get them back. And um, like I said, my life is so much better. Like I am, I am such a nicer person, you know, to other people and to myself. I'm still working on the self thing, 
but I, I, um, you know, I heard someone say yesterday, and, and I, I, it's one trick that I've done too, is I now talk to myself the way I talk to my cat. So I call myself sweet, like I hear myself saying, sweetie, you know, sweet girl, you know, beautiful, you know, all the things I tell my little sweet cat. And I, you know, there are other times, like yesterday when I was doing a communication thing where I'm like, I suck at communication, my boyfriend should jump me, I don't know how to talk, and um, I need to go in my room and be alone, you know, and um, I work through it. we work through it together, you know. Um, he's a really, really, really good communicator. So, let's see. So, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it goes. But, you know, it really does come as we work for it. And, you know, I think the saddest thing is, is to, just to see people who leave the room. You know, I hope, I hope they'll come back. And I recognize that it's not, maybe it's not, it's, they're on their own timeline. But these rooms have given me a life. I have I have a life, and um, it's not easy. And you know, but I'm really grateful for what I have. So um, thank you so much, and uh, that's it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nancy. I'd like to welcome now Annette. Hi everybody, my name is Annette, I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Freezing a minute ago, but I know I get hot when I start talking. Thank you, Maria. Um, you know, I'm going to start out, the, uh, I know this topic is the promises, but I'd like to start out with a little bit about where, what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. And that pretty much says it. I can sum it up with the numbers. That's the beginning. I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I was 252 pounds, and I've given up about 110 pounds, and I have been here since 1985, and today I celebrated um, two weeks, two months, and eight years of back-to-back vaccines. And I'm really, uh, really glad to be here today. I did not know that I was going to be talking at all, let alone on this topic, um, <clears throat> I purposely signed up late just so I wouldn't have this ego thing going on that I would be, you know, talking at any meeting, but um, they were still missing or minus or somebody got sick or something, so here I am. The promises are, you know, I... Uh, this program means so much to me. I just can't even tell tell you guys what I've gotten from Overeaters Anonymous. Anybody who knows me, if they hear this tape and hear any kind of, you know, quivering in my voice, they're really going to be shocked. Because I have not been, um, I'm one of these people who's kind of, a lot of people are afraid of me for whatever reason. I'm not sure, but they are. So today I did bring some help with me uh, to help me get through this. I brought uh, Ethel, who is my therapist. She loves me no matter what I do or say. And I brought Jean, who is my life partner, best friend, and um, 
has stuck with me for the last 12 and a half years and is not afraid to tell me what she thinks. And my sister, Tina, who uh, I also love dearly, I brought her with me. She's um, also not afraid to tell me what she thinks. And she's very gentle, too. Tina is pretty gentle. She's my youngest sister, and I brought my mom, who has uh, not been with us physically for the last nine years, but I think if she had found these rooms, she might still be with us today. The promises come uh, right after the ninth step. The ninth step is an action step. Uh, four through nine are all action steps, and the ninth step is probably one of the hardest, and it is where you make amends to those that you have harmed. And right after the ninth step, it does say on page 83 in the big book is where the promises are. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. The first promise is that we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. It does not say always after that. And that's the part that pissed me off. Because I wanted to make it that thus far, and it should be always, you know, always. It is black and white for me. Once you're there, you're there. You know, you've got the parchment in your hand, you're out of here. And I think that's why after 19 years, I have two weeks, two months, and eight years of back-to-back abstinence. Because I didn't, you know, it's like I kind of forgot to read the rest of it. Because right after step nine comes step ten, which also is an action step. And step ten says that we continue um that we, we continue to take personal inventory and we're always looking for ways that we're being, you know, how we cannot be selfish, self-seeking and, and always thinking of, of ourselves and that we make amends immediately, you know, when we've, when we've harmed someone. Uh, the 10th step, the step says continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Promptly? I don't know about that. But... You know, for me, it will come after a while if I continue to look look at myself. Uh, it says in the literature after the promises that we must continue. We must continue this for a lifetime. And I don't, I don't know that for me, it, I couldn't understand why after losing a hundred pounds. You know, when I first when I first came to Overeaters Anonymous, I lost my weight right away, became a star. You know, I've had to go through a couple of different relapses and different things. When I came here, I um, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on my story a little bit. When I came here, I was 252 pounds. I smoked three to four packs of cigarettes a day. I smoked marijuana between eating so that I could get hungry again because I loved eating and I loved being stoned. And I did snorted some cocaine so I could wake up in between the marijuana smoking and the eating. And, um, oh, and by the way, I had people ask me how, I've had friends who were also addicts, you know, I know this isn't a, 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 a drug meeting, but uh, some of my addict friends would ask me, how could you be a fat coke addict? It just made me eat faster. <laughs> the pills never worked. 
the, you know, none of that stuff ever, nothing worked for me. I was not a yo-yo kind of diet or person who lost weight, gained it back, lost weight, you know. I just yo <laughs> Just went in one direction. And at five foot, two, two, almost five foot three, I got to 252 pounds. And it was pretty miserable there. It was really, really miserable. I could not step off, walk down these stairs, or barely step off a curb because I couldn't see in front of me, couldn't see beyond my body. I needed the roof of my car to pull me out because I could not just step out of my car and stand up. I, I could hardly breathe from smoking three to four packs of cigarettes a day. I was, um, in fact, that's how I got here. I wound up in the hospital with emphysema hooked up to an oxygen machine. And my doctor told me that um, if I didn't quit smoking, I was going to die. And I was 31 years old when that happened. And <clears throat> next month, I'll be 51. And it's just, you know, amazing that I, that I made it here. I came here because nobody told me, my doctor didn't tell me I had to lose weight. 252 pounds, you know, I expected she was going to tell me I had to lose weight. So when I came here, I just, I knew I couldn't lose weight. I knew I couldn't quit smoking. But if I went to Overeaters Anonymous and I tried to do something I should do for myself, nobody asked me to do that. So that, so there was no expectation. I never thought in a million years I was going to come here, lose 100 pounds, stop smoking, stop using drugs, and not have a drink ever, you know, uh, I, I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, there was no way that I believed coming here was going to do that. And I came here and I stayed. The only thing I've done right in the 19 years that I've been here is I have kept coming back. I've heard these promises. You know, we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. That's the very first promise. Some of the promises I had before I got here, like I never had fear of people or economic insecurity. I came here with what one member calls, um, she calls them liabilities. You know, a lot of us call them assets. Things like I had a good job. I made quite a bit of money. I owned my own home. I drove a, ni a nice car. I... Where are we at? Oh, the 38. Yeah, I was pretty pissed off. There, um, I wasn't going to tell that story, but I'll tell it, just to tell you kind of how crazy I was. Um, I was on my way into a stop-and-go. Does anybody remember stop-and-goes? Stop-and-go to go get my fix. Uh, I think it was Susie Q or, I don't know, Dolly Madison, one of those girls. They all had me. <laughs> uh, I, I was going in to have, you know, get one of my fix, and I got... Uh, behind a low rider that was going a little slow in front of me and finally got in the parking lot and when I got around him, you know, I just went <clears throat> parked my car and yelling and screaming out him out the window and I kept my 38 under the seat and the guy comes over and he looks, you know, as I was getting out of the car, he says to me, you fat bitch. Well, I reached under my seat and pulled out my 38 and you should see how fast that low rider got out of that parking lot. Very fast. <laughs> and, you know, it scared me, though, because I was going to kill him. I was going to kill him for calling me a fat bitch. And that's where I come from. 
And that's and that still today, you know, of course would would hurt. But that's how insane I was. Just how insane that I was. And I don't, you know, I don't even I don't even think that way today, which is really amazing, really really amazing. And I love what it talks about. Also, after the promises, there's you know step ten, which tells you a continued action, and then step eleven. Sought through prayer and meditation uh, to continue to improve our conscious contact with our higher power as we understand it. That, you know, I had a real hard time with that part, although it's a maintenance of keeping these promises. It is a maintenance, and it says it's a maintenance, you know, and do that, doing and keeping the promises, because it says that we have to do that. We have to, as long as we're keep in fit spiritual condition we will continue to have the promises. And, you know, to me it was like, okay, pray and meditate. What is that about? And I didn't know how to just sit and, okay, God, what, you know, what do you do when you pray and meditate? I don't, I don't know how to do that. You know, I don't know what that's about. And there's actually instructions here. It says, um, when we retire, it says, if it works, you have the proper attitude and work it. It would be easy to be vague about this matter. It's talking about praying and meditating. Yet, this is on page 86, the top of 86. Yet, we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. Wow. That's right here. We constructively review our day. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? That's prayer and meditation? I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Are you sure this is step 11? That's what it says. Step 11, bottom of page 85. And then it tells us, we're doing step 10 all over again. That's step 11. That, for me, is how I get to pray and meditate, how it becomes an action for me. I get to look at my behavior for the day, you know. And I do that not because I'm virtuous and wonderful. It's because it doesn't say, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness always. It doesn't say always. You know, it says I have to do this maintenance in order to keep that. And that's why I do it. Not because I'm spiritual and virtuous. It's because I don't want to be 252 pounds and afraid to step off the curb. I don't want to be, I don't want to not be able to do the things that I get to do today. You know, I'm going to be 51 years old next month, and I ride a bicycle 10 miles every day. That's something I get to do today. I couldn't do that when I was 31 because I was 252 pounds. I could not ride a bicycle. I go to yoga three times a week today. I can actually take my whole body and bend my legs over my head and, you know, and do stuff that I couldn't do that when I was 16 because I was about 200 pounds when I was 16. I just couldn't do those things. So for me, the promises have come true. You know, they have come true. And because it doesn't say always after each promise, I know that just because it's not always that way doesn't mean that the promises are not true in my life today. Because they are. They are there. I have a loving relationship. I have a wonderful family. I have, you know, I have a, I, 
I have my own business. I make my own hours. I have, you know, I don't think about food. I forgot to mention food. Isn't that amazing? You know, that is absolutely amazing to me because I lived to eat when I got here. I lived to eat the first 10 years I was here. I could not not be obsessed with the food. And today it is, it's not an issue. It's not an option. I like some, many other speakers I've heard already this weekend um, do not, you know, I refrain from certain foods because they just make me want more. You know, I don't eat cookies. I, I know people have been asking it for years and years and years and maintaining weight loss, normal weight loss. Who can eat a cookie? You know what? I can't. I don't want one. I want the whole box. You know, I don't want a little bowl of ice cream. I want the whole, not even a pint. I want whatever that half gallon thing is. You know, that's what I want. I don't want just a little bit. And I've recognized that today for me. And for me, it's easier not to. And I don't think about it anymore. It's not an option. And I don't, you know, it's just, I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. It's just been given. You know, it says, and it talks about that in the same chapter, into action toward the end of the chapter. You know, we're not fighting it anymore. We're, I'm not, I don't have to fight food. I don't sit at a table and fight at Thanksgiving dinner whether or not I'm going to have pumpkin pie. I know I'm not going to have pumpkin pie. Period. The end. Pumpkin pie is not in the plan. And you know why I don't feel deprived? I've been given this by another member in this program. I don't feel deprived because I know if God had, or higher power, whatever it is, had laid out everything that all the pumpkin pies I could eat for my life when I was born, I ate all mine by the time I was nine. Mine's gone. It's not that I'm, you know, it's not, I'm not being deprived. I just ate them all. They're all gone. So it's not fair. It wouldn't be fair for me to go on and on and on because I'm done, you know. And I wasn't born with that normal gene. My life partner, normal gene, G-E-N-E. My life partner is um, not a compulsive overeater, and I'm going to end with this story. We went to a Thanksgiving dinner together that my brother-in-law and sister put on, and there was a nice spread on the table, but there were a lot of people there. And I looked at the food on the table, and this was several years ago. I looked at the food on the table, and I looked around at all the people, and I was thinking, is there going to be an ounce? <laughs> I better make sure I sit down first, get my plate, you know, because I don't know that there's going to be enough. And my partner was looking at the table with me, and she turns around looks at me, and she says, who's going to eat all this food? I thought, holy God, oh, mother of God almighty. <laughs> it's like... Here we are looking at the same table with two completely different thoughts. And from that, I knew, you know, I just, it was like it was that moment that I realized, you know what? I am different. I am different than the normal person out there with food. And it has nothing to do with morals. It doesn't make me immoral, you know. But if I can do, and I cannot do a diet. 
And that's not what this program is about, you know. Although I do use a food plan as a tool. It is the number one tool. And it does help me. And I do refrain from things, from foods. But it's not a diet. It's being, following the steps of this program that has helped me to maintain my abstinence for the last two weeks, two months, and eight years, and help me to give up those things which are going to kill me, and kept the promises true in my life. Thank you. Thank you, Annette. I'd like to thank our timer, Mary M. from Los Gatos. Um, you know, we do have a few minutes, and it says, this meeting is now open for three-minute pitches. Please limit your sharing to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. Also, all participants must sign the tape release form. Please sign up before your pitch. This meeting will end at 11.15. So, um, if you'd like to share, would you come over here and, and line up against that wall? And then, as I said, please sign this release. I'm Corey. I'm a compulsive eater. Hang on. I can't multitask here. Um, thank you all. Oh, my God. All of you. So much. I, I am, I'm from L.A., and I, it's been a while since I've been up here. Um, and uh, it's, it, there's something really touching today about hearing people from other parts of the state, or, you know, I've been in other states, um, quoting the big book. And I think, my God, that's the same big book that we have in L.A., um, there's just there's such a connectedness for me around program, and I'm in lots of communities, and um, I just appreciate that. I uh, think I'm going to move the microphone instead of standing on my toes. I uh, I really just needed to share, and and I guess my experience. I've been around program for 17 years, I think, and um, took a candle in December for 13 years, and that's just amazing. Um, and this week, actually, the beginning of this week, went back to three meals a day with nothing in between, which is a freedom. I mean, I, my program isn't focused on food today, which is awesome. But um, I was thinking about keeping it on the topic. I really just needed to connect. But keeping it on the topic, um, I think one of my most favorite promises is we will know a new freedom and a new happiness. Because what I thought freedom was um, and what I thought happiness was growing up are so different than what I thought, what I think now. I thought freedom was, um, like people have made allusions to, you know, getting thin enough so that I really looked okay on the outside because I thought if I looked okay on the outside, then I would, somehow that would manage to make me okay on the inside because I just felt so not okay. Um, and happiness I thought was like ecstasy. I've never used drugs and I'm not sure why, probably because I'm too much of a control freak and it felt too out of control, but, um, but I thought happiness was like, you know, you're always just gleeful and joyful. And I heard someone years ago saying that happiness maybe just means well-adjusted and re living life on life's terms. And I love that. I am um, in a really stressful part of my life, just a stressful life cycle phase. And um, it's all really good stuff. It's high-class problems, which don't necessarily feel any better. They just look better on the outside. And um, and it's all good. And, and I... And I'm just, um, 
I guess what I want to share, I'm sort of all over the place, is gratitude that um, that I have the program, that I have tools. And um, interestingly, I, I can't, if, someone's, if you raise the thing, raise it high enough so I can see it. I am. Um, I have been struggling with my food for a few months and not wanting to share about it because I want to look okay on the outside. And my sponsor recommended that I share about it in my home meeting, which is a small women's meeting in Santa Monica. And um, I shared about it and Tuesday morning woke up and thought, maybe I'll go back to three meals a day with nothing in between just to just to level the playing field. Um, so, and, uh, and it's shifted because now my focus is back on God. Well, thank you. Hello, I'm Patty, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Okay. This is my first convention. Um, the other event that I went to that was big like this was a retreat. I went to Mercy Center in Burlingame in May, and I enjoyed I enjoyed that so much that I wanted to come again where there were lots of people, and I'm really happy to be here. Um, I've been coming to OA. I how for uh, a year and a half, and I've lost 102 pounds. And I just want to share that the promises, that's the only thing I know what pages on in the big book. Okay, <laughs> 84. Now, and so I'm, I'm always reading that over and over. I had a lot of fear of economic insecurity and um, of relationships and all those sorts of things that it talks about in there. And... Um, OA, I keep saying OA How, because that's, that's what I do, and so I'm just going to keep saying it. <laughs> OA How has, has taught me that I need structure, and I need people, and I need, uh, I need a plan. And that is how you get those, uh, all those wonderful promises. It doesn't just come from, um, from one of those things alone. Um, a lot of people, would, I, I went to uh, regular OA first. And, I, and I, I, I was okay there, but I still, something was missing. And they said, well, you know, you don't want to go to, go to Howl. This the Nazi group there. This, the structure and the rigidity. It scares some people. And they say, their life's too busy to, you know, be so structured. But I just, I need to, I need to share that the mundane rhythm of it, the structure of it, um, is what saved my life. Because I can do it when, my, when the rest of my life is falling apart. I know I have to make my phone call to my sponsor at 6.30 in the morning. I can't miss it. I know that I have to eat these things that are taped to my cupboard and nothing else. I know I can't shop anywhere in the middle of the store, <laughs> yeah, except for a few key things. Um, and I can do that when I'm going through a foreclosure. I can do that when my daughter is, uh, you know, screaming and crying that she's breaking up with her boyfriend and she has nowhere to live. I can do that when my son is going through rehab on drugs. I can do that when I'm uh, losing my job. I can do that when I'm wishing my boss dead um, because I know how. I have fallen into the rhythm. I have fallen into the, the, the mundaneness, the sameness, and I know what I have to do in order to, um, you know, to achieve the promises. And so that's what kept me sane, and that's what... That's what uh, I'm Carrie. I'm a compulsive reader. My name is Hi. Now, I'm not good at forms. 
start with. So where do I sign? Uh, actually, uh, it'll be right back. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Get this over with. Okay. So uh, I'd like to welcome you newcomers, and um, I'm up here to express my gratitude because I have learned in these rooms that I can't keep it unless I give it away. And um, you know, when I'm struggling, it's so important to remember that. Um, I'm also up here in the spirit of service, and I, I really, because I really relate to what the person said before me about the service structure of this program giving me a focus when I feel like everything else is just completely chaotic. So um, I'm having one of those kind of periods in my life where I'm really lacking focus. I'm feeling kind of lost at sea. And so this program and the structure that it gives me right now is my saving grace. I mean, it's really, it's kind of keeping my rear on, so to speak. Um, as far as the promises go, the longer that I'm here, the broader they get. Um, when I first came in, I really thought that they meant my higher power would be my new, like, fairy godmother. Just take everything away. If I just stop eating ho-hos, my life would be wonderful. And, uh... Life happens and continues to happen, which means that I had to adopt my understanding of the promises or I would continue eating. So uh, my newer and better version is that the promises mean God will get me through my trauma drama, but not that they will disappear simply because I'm in this program. Now, that's a gift. Now, the expectation is I would wake up normal at some point um, has pretty much disappeared. I mean, I still wish that I could eat like normal people. You know, I won't say that that, that illusion has totally gone away. But um, it's really nice to be free of that, that kind of obsession with this idea that... Um, Someone needs to reward me for all the hobos I passed up. I mean, damn! You know, I need to get a prize. And uh, <laughs> I'm still waiting, so six years later. So let me tell you, it's a, it's a process. And that's what I've learned, too. It's a process. So as long as I focus on the path, you know, and not on, uh, you know, goodies, what I'm going to get, I'm in pretty decent shape. I get to feel an array of feelings here. You know, I don't have to either be just down and out in the dumps or on some sort of high. So that's all I got. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. Hello. I've always thought, I, I like it when I'm taller than other people. <laughs> because I'm now, I'm between five foot and five foot one and 
I started out five foot and a half inch, and they keep telling me that every time I have somebody check it, I'm not shorter, so I'm not having them check anymore. So, anyway, my name's Gina, and I'm I'm a recovering compulsive overeater, and I'm from San Diego. And I'm so glad to be here. The promises. Every time there's at meetings a lot, you know, you read the promises at the end, and I love the promises. I don't care for the late closing meeting. Got to have the promises because, you know. There's a saying, you know, came for the vanity, stayed for the sanity. Well, to me, the, the promises are my, my guarantee, my promise that I'm going to have sanity in my life. And um, I want to tell you that God's story is about my trip coming here. I, uh, two of my sisters live up here in Elk Grove. And, well, I only have two sisters, so <laughs> both of them live up here in Elk Grove. And... I had not been up here to visit them in, I think it was 83. I was in OA at that point. I had lost a lot of weight, but I must tell you that I wasn't sane. Um, anyway, uh, and then I left the program. I saw the retread, as they called, used to call it. Uh, and I've been back for five years, a little over five years. And when I had left, I gained 225 pounds back as opposed to the 198 pounds I've lost. So uh, I've now dropped down. I've now released as much, so much garbage for myself that I'm now 135 pounds lighter. And I think that's important to remember. Because losing weight was why I came here, honey. I, I didn't come for Sandy because I thought I was saying. When I got in these rooms, I, I you guys all, you're, you're contagious. You gave me insanity, you know. I found out people were doing, and I found out things I was doing was insane. I thought they were normal. Anyway, getting back to this uh, God story. Uh, so last year at the convention, I was heard that he was saying they were coming up to Sacramento, and I said, my sisters live there. Great excuse to stop and see them, but of course I didn't want to visit too long with them, you see, because um, they were sick puppies. And I'm so hip, sick, and cold, you know. I couldn't handle being around these sick puppies. Well, it ended up, I got here a week ago, Friday, I came in last Friday night, on the train, willing to go to any length. I came by train, I love this, this, this is the train, because I came in by train 18 hours on the train, and uh, I got in, and I got off the train, and I walked over to where my sister was, and I walked up, and having not seen her in that long, she looks exactly like my mother. Let me tell you, that's a, a, one of my worst nightmares, is to have my oldest sister and my mother in the same package and um, actually we've done real well I had done a lot of work before I got here with my sponsor and that's one of the things about the promises is I don't there are things I get to do to get me to where I get to you know it's like I get to do the footwork and so I've had some living amends going on with my sisters with both of them Um, and I had the money to do it which is amazing because uh, I've been spending money like there was no tomorrow. And uh, so I've had a lot of financial insecurity. And a lot of fear comes up with that. But the reality is I got past it. And I'm not saying I'm financially secure. I'm saying the fear isn't so bad anymore. <laughs> uh, so, I'm, okay, so I'm here. And, I'm, and I don't know how I got here. Because I had to say to God, you're in charge. I'm not. Uh, I ended up with a roommate, didn't expect to have one. I ended up with two roommates. I ended up with enough money to buy food while I was here so I could eat. I didn't think I would have any. I was broke. I was overdrawn. 
God has gotten me here. So I'm supposed to be here. And I'm so glad you all are too. Thank you. Okay, let's thank again our speakers, uh, Brenda, Nancy, and Annette. It is now time to close this session. Please stand where you are, and after a moment of silence, would you please join me in the serenity prayer? Thank you. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Ron.